You're listening to the TNT Effect, the Athletes Podcast. This is the podcast where athletes discuss their journey and other sports professionals talk about how they support these athletes. I'm your host, Dr. Tierra Roll. Let's get into today's episode. Today, I'm speaking with Jabril Neyong, and yes, the D is silent. Um, <laughs> I'm excited about this interview today because I feel like I'm going to learn so much about you that I did not know. I mean, not to say that I knew a ton about you anyway, but what I do know about you is that you came to the U.S. as an international college student. And so can you tell us a little bit about how that came about? Well, first of all, thanks for having me on the show. You're really welcome. excited about this. Um, so to get back about my college experience, it all started at Suffolk University. So they had a campus in Dakar, Senegal. And initially the plan was to do the first two years there and then you would transfer to Boston, uh, their other their US campus um, after your sophomore year. So like as a junior, you transfer here to the US. But as I'm starting as a freshman, we ended up closing six months into my program because the Dakar campus wasn't really making a lot of money. Um, so they just decided to shut down and all our courses were transferred to Boston. So I didn't really get a scholarship, but um, I still got to pay a lot less than any other student because we had to transfer unexpectedly. So my fee was basically cut down to 25%. So it was a big cut. Nice. That's yeah. huge, man, because so many um, college students here in America, like the cost of education is ridiculous. It is. It is. And so we don't really get any funding or anything. So when we're coming here, we have to pay all out of pockets. So that was a big help for us when we had to transfer here for sure. So you got an opportunity to play at the collegiate level. And what what position did you play? And tell us how that experience was living the college life as well as being a student athlete. Well, at first, my goal, obviously, like I played soccer my whole life. I really wanted to be on the soccer team and see like how far I could push myself and at what level I could play. And so when I moved there, obviously, my first idea was to get on my school's team. And so did the tryouts, got on the team. And that's when I realized that there's like division three tiers, division two tiers, division one tier, and division one obviously is the best one and you're closer to the pros and you get seen a lot more. And so I made the team, I was happy the first year, but then I really wanted a little more. Um, what was holding me was the deal I had with my school, the 25% on uh, that I was paying uh, for my tuition. I couldn't really afford transferring anywhere else. So I was kind of stuck with that. But I played as a right winger, left winger, depending on where my coaches would want to use me, depending on the game and the opponent. Um, honestly, had an amazing time at Suffolk University, met some amazing people coaches, made some really good friends that I can still call my friends today. Um, but yeah, it was a good time for sure. I uh, learned a lot. Um, 
just being with teammates and having to deal with uh, time management. Time management was a big switch for me. Um, and just being here alone, you know, I was always at home with my parents, mom and dad always around helping out with whatever I need. And just being here all alone by yourself, that, that was the major switch when, when I arrived here in America. Assimilating to a whole new culture, um, not just a new school, but a completely different country. How was that? Uh, how different was it from your culture versus American culture? So I've been here in America before moving here for school. So I kind of knew what the lifestyle was. And obviously with new movies and TV shows and music videos, you kind of make up your own idea about what you're going to expect. But just being here by myself and having to figure out everything by myself, uh, especially uh, when I got my first apartment and having to deal with bills and having to set up the internet and the gas and all of that, like that was, that was huge. That was a big shift for me. Um, having to do my groceries, having to cook by myself, like everything was done for me. At that home. is what we call so, adulting. <laughs> exactly. So that was a major switch. Like I had to jump into that right when I moved over, obviously. And I think I did pretty well. Now I'm a graduate. I got my master's as well. So I think I did pretty good for myself. <laughs> it sounds like it. So what did you study? Because I think it's important to, you know, when students or student athletes are choosing their major, it's important to for them to consider what they would like to do once they're done with sports. And so rather than just picking some random, you know, easy type of um, curriculum or major, they should pick something that they're actually interested in and would consider doing outside of sports. So when I first enrolled, I had no idea what I wanted to do in school. I just knew that I needed to be there. I just wanted to play soccer, honestly. But then I had to find a way to revent myself and find something around school that would interest me so that I could make the most of my degree. And so my first two years, I remember I was an undeclared student major because you get like to zoom around and see what you want to really be doing the first couple of years. And after my um, sophomore year, I had to choose and that's when I had the talk with my uh, advisor about like all the sports classes that we were offering at the time. So I started with that. So I was a marketing major um, and a management minor, but with a sports concentration. So that's what I did my undergrad in. And then when I moved to Minnesota and did my master's, I focused more on the management aspect of sports management. All of the sports management and all that different um that education, did it lead you into like becoming an equipment manager for U.S. soccer? Or did that play any type of role in you going that route? Um, me going into U.S. soccer was totally unexpected, to say the least. Um, I used to coach uh, youth soccer uh, during the summer with a good friend of mine. Uh, we went to college together. His dad is actually uh, Tony DeChico, the coach for the U.S. soccer uh, 99ers that won the first World Cup. And so he um, has his own like summer soccer camps. And every year 
Um, well, I did it for th three years. I would go um, to Connecticut or New York or here in Massachusetts, and I would help out coach with the with the kids. And so uh, one time at the end of the summer, um, he knew I was looking for other opportunities, and he used to be an equipment manager for U.S. Soccer uh, for two years. So he offered to put in a little word for me if I wanted to do a couple camps and see if I like it and maybe continue. And so that's how I got the opportunity. But so we were talking about it at the end of the summer. I didn't get a call until January. It was totally unexpected. I woke up one day, picked up my phone as it was ringing and um, Catherine Page, uh, she was part of the equipment team at the time. She's not with us anymore, but she called my phone and told me that Nick gave her my phone number and she had an opportunity for me. And two years later, I'm still with you as soccer, so. Yeah, okay, and so just to make sure we're not stepping on any toes, it's not a full-time role with U.S. soccer, it is um more it like like part per diem, part-time, per diem part type of thing. Exactly. And so, yeah, we just <laughs> want to make sure I put that out <laughs> and, um And so, and that's exactly how we met. Um, and because I got involved with U.S. soccer as a network provider. And so my first camp, we got to work together. And so this part about equipment managers, I really want to dive into because I think that it is a very, very important role that's worth talking about as we talk about the different team members who are part of, you know, making it, um, making things successful for an athlete's journey, right? And so tell us about what you do as an equipment manager. So basically, as an equipment manager, you're taking care of everybody. 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 <laughs> so you're taking care of all the, the equipment that's being put to use throughout the camp, um, other than the medical stuff, although you'll still help out with whatever they might need help with. Um, but it's more uh, the clothing, like the, the uniforms that the players and the coaches are wearing throughout the camp and the training gear, the balls, the cones, the pennies, and whatever else the, the players might need throughout the camp. Um, the big part is arrival day and the last day of the camp, obviously, because you got to unpack everything. Well, first receive everything that's arriving, move it into the rooms and, and then unpack everything and make sure everything is set for the player's arrival the very next day. And then on the last day, you got to make sure everything is clean and put back in the Zarges as it was when you received it and uh, keep count of everything and make a, a packing list to make sure you send it back uh, to the acute department, make sure you count it off for everything. And that's the big piece. But other than that, throughout the camp, you're basically just making sure everyone got their gear and you're setting up practices and games. So throughout the camp, it goes pretty smoothly. First day and last day, the big days of your camp for sure. Now you painted that picture like pretty nicely, pretty easy, and it, <laughs> but it, it's very tedious. And um, because, like you said, first in, last out, right? It's not it's not as simple as people may think it is. I mean, skill wise, it doesn't take a whole lot of skill um, to accomplish it, but it is it can be very tedious. And you and you do have to know what you're doing. You have to make sure you have to count every single item. Um, 
there's so many different trunks and different czars and all these different things that you have to keep up with. If you're traveling internationally, that is even more of a, um, a task to accomplish. And so it's not just, you know, you, you mentioned more so like the athletes and the coaches, but it, it is the entire staff who is there. You, you know what I'm saying? It's not just the players. Well, not me, the me talking about it, I'm, I'm making it sound easy because it's my job. That's why I'm there. And now after two years, I'm kind of used to what I'm used dealing with. But yeah, it, it can be very much a lot. It can be overwhelming. My first, I remember my first camp alone, I had to deal with 25 Zarges and a couple extra bags on the side. And I was like, how am I going to be able to be accountable for everything, but we made it work. It, it can be very um, tedious and hectic at times and people pulling from sides at all times, needing something here and there, but with everyone pulling on the same side together, we and and always end up making it work. So we do we do make it work. And, and you know, of course you have to set up practice, you know, um, or training sessions and even games, you have to set up everything that is needed for them to go through all of their different um, skills and different technical drills and all that stuff. So you have to be on point and it's not just before and after training and games, like even during those uh, sessions, you have to be on point. But yes, we definitely work together. The, the, the medical support staff, as well as equipment managers, we tend to work together a lot to help each other out and accomplish different things too, right? Yeah, that's a must. Uh, teamwork. Without teamwork, we definitely would not be able to make it work, whether it's the equi guys or the medical guys. So, right. It's definitely a must in that I setting. I think it would be a hot mess <laughs> if we all need to work together and, and, and um, make things move the way that they should. And so, yeah. some of the important things about what you do is, or not even just what you do, when it comes to everyone, um, everybody else on the team. When we are done with the training day or whatever, we have to make sure that we get everything back to you guys in a timely fashion so you don't have to spend hours and hours and hours all night trying to get everything clean and prepared for the next day. So what is like your biggest pet peeve or I mean, if you have any pet peeves <laughs> when it comes to uh, being an equipment manager, maybe I should say challenges. I mean, um it would be nice if everyone would be respectful of time. Time is one of the most important piece because everything runs with time. Like we don't have a lot of time in between practices or between practice and then dinner. And then I got to attend a meeting for the next practice session to know what tomorrow is going to be like. So there's very limited time, like open windows where we can do laundry and flip it over for the next training session. So we really want to receive our equipment back after training as soon as we can. But obviously, sometimes some of the kids doesn't don't listen and we don't get the equipment. So in that case, lucky D, um, we always have little extra gear so we can set them out with a clean one and then get the other gear a little later and wash them all at the same time. But when it's 13, 17 kids that don't come back and bring the gear, then yeah, it becomes a little more complicated. So got to find them, run after them, text message them, whatever you got to do, but you got to get your gear back. Oh, absolutely. Because <laughs> hey, U.S. soccer will be looking for you. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Where is the gear? So when it comes to, 
making impacts or building relationships, whether it's with coaches, the um, other support staff, or even the players, um, how do you interact with all of those different um, members of the team? So at first, I remember my first camp, I didn't know if I could even talk to the players, were they considered pro, where you just got to worry about what you got to do and let them focus on their soccer part or whatever the case may be. But everyone is pretty open at, at meals and stuff. Everyone's kind of sitting together and having different conversations. So I was just being myself and... At first, I would more ask questions than start a conversation. And then I felt a little more comfortable with people I was around with. And the more camps you do, you're usually around the same coaches and the same medical staff and the same EQ staff. So that helps being comfortable around everyone. And then you're there for the kids and there to help them. So it's really the best you can do to help them in whatever they need to succeed in. At first, it can be... Um, you can be nervous and you're like, all right, uh, what should I do? Like, especially because you don't want to make and, you know, or make a bad impression. And then, you know, the full-time staff members or whatever they're maybe they'll report back to. Right. You know, At the yours. end of the day, it is, it is the national team and it is the highest level you can get. So. Right. Even if it is the youth teams, but still. Right. right. You know, you're so, still working with coaches who work with or communicate with the first teams. Right. Exactly. So, so you definitely want to make sure you're on your um your p's and q's, and you're not messing up, and yeah, yeah. <laughs> or you don't get an opportunity to come back constantly. Yeah, right, right. But no, it is fun though because you do get an opportunity to travel quite a bit, right? Yes. And you've been to two years in. You've been to um, a number of different states in the U.S., but you've also traveled internationally as well. Um, so I haven't done any international camp yet, but hopefully when everything gets back to normal and we can get camps back going, I'll try to get on one of those for sure. Absolutely. Be a competition. <laughs> yeah, we do. I agree. Thinking back to all the things that you learned as an elite athlete and then now, um, as in, you know, obviously as an adult doing your thing and you still play now. What are some things that you learned as an athlete? And then what are those things or recommendations or tips that you would give to younger players who want to play at a higher level? Uh, some tips that I can give out to younger players would definitely be taking care of their bodies. Recovery is very important. Resting is very important. Hydrating, not eating junk food, just the little things that they always repeat. And, um, just always give it your all. Don't don't procrastinate. Don't push back to, to tomorrow. And just have that Black Mamba mentality, you know, at all times. It, it's very important because the soccer career goes by so fast. And the next thing you know, you're all grown and you can't play anymore. And injuries starts catching up. And you're like, wow, if only I knew I would do this better. I would do this better. But then it's only too late. So really focus on the now and, and give it your all and give it 100. And what are some tips you would give to parents? I, I don't know what the culture is like in Senegal and, you know, and how parents support their kids when they're playing sports and things of that nature. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that and then tell us what are some, some things you would say to parents. So some 
tips to give out to parents. I don't know if if I'm placed enough to be giving out tips, but I would I say mean, just, as as someone who played and you had parents who hopefully were supportive. Um, right. Like that's, what? That's what, the major thing. Just just to be supportive of of whatever your kid wants to do, and and if he wants to play sports, like you really got to be supportive and be behind him and and help him in whatever shape and needs you may, because that's really what they're passionate about, you know, and, and passion is really important. Like I, I personally didn't have um, parents that were like a hundred percent supportive of me wanting to play soccer at a higher level. Um, my dad is like very into like books and studying and he was like, you got to get your degree and you got to follow my footprints. And I'm like, bah, I think I'm, a better soccer player than you think I am and we can make some pretty good money here but he wasn't <laughs> having that so just being more supportive of, of what your kids want and just just support them all the way and help them out all the way I agree with that definitely be supportive but at the same time um you want to in that support you you want to make sure that you are helping to guide them while being supportive but at the same time, being able to recognize when there, when there are those roadblocks and they need assistance overcoming oh, those roadblocks. Of course, it, the road is not going to be easy. Of course, there, there's going to be uh, some bumps along the way, and you got to make sure they they're willing to put in the work and they're willing to stay focused and determination and perseverance and practice. Those are some keywords for. <laughs> it's keywords. <laughs> All right. If anybody wants to find you on social media, if you're interested in anybody finding you on social media, give us your uh, IG handle if you have one or Facebook. Uh, my Facebook is just my full name, Jabril Young. If you can find me on, I'll add you. And uh, my Twitter handle is uh, Jabril underscore eight, number eight. That was my number in college. So follows me pretty much everywhere. Okay. All right, Jabril, I really appreciate this time. We have to do this again, but uh, thank you again. Yeah, thanks for having me anytime. Thank you for tuning in today. And a special thank you to my guest. If you enjoyed today's episode, please hit the subscribe button. To learn about the sports performance, rehab, and wellness services provided by Dr. Tierra, please go to www.thetntfect.com. You can also send questions to info at thetntfect.com. And remember, a healthy athlete is a whole athlete.